Thank you for listening to the Soul City Church podcast. Be sure to follow us on our Facebook and Instagram at Soul City Church. For more information, visit us on our website, soulcitychurch.com. Well, good morning, Soul City Church. How you doing today? Man, you can do better than that because you are here. How are you doing today? Listen, you're the real ones. I just want everyone to know you're the real ones, those of you who are here. For those of you watching online, I hope you have the AC on where you're at because these are the real ones right here. Thank you for showing up. And it's just winter. We do this every year, right? We know that we do this every year, but we always forget people lose their mind when it gets cold like this. But y'all got dressed up. Some of you even showered. Thank you. And uh, I, I'm, I'm so, so glad that you're here. It's Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday weekend celebration this weekend, all weekend, not just tomorrow. And so I just want to say a quick word on that. It's not in my notes, but they gave me a mic, so I'm going to say a quick word real quick, okay, about that. I want to encourage you to read or to watch or to listen to one of his speeches tomorrow, to read a part of one of his writings tomorrow. I want to, in the midst of all the crazy things you do, to do that. And you're going to see lots of people posting pictures of him tomorrow. I'm probably going to post a picture of him tomorrow. And I just want to say a word to a specific set of people that tend to do this when they talk about King's legacy and King's work is I've noticed that there are some people who will say in the description of him a little disclaimer, though not a perfect man, dot, 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 dot. He wasn't a perfect man, but this is my soapbox for a second. Can we get over that? And I'm talking specifically to white Christians. Oh, he's going to say that. Okay. (laughs) He hasn't even done the message yet. Yup. Can we get over that? He's not a perfect man, but dot, 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 dot. You're not a perfect man. You're not a perfect woman. I'm not a perfect person. Shocker. This is not a perfect church, okay? But we are trying to live into the vision that King laid out for this country and for our lives. It's not a new vision. It's a vision of the kingdom of God. And when I look around this room, I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged. I go, look at, man, all the different types of folks from different walks of life coming together. If we can't get it right here, where, how are we possibly going to get it right And I would say, we have a long way to go. We have a long, long, long way to go. And so I want to encourage you to not only celebrate by liking someone's post, read about it, listen to it, and consider for your own life, what's the work that I need to do, that God's calling me in to do, that that we could step into that vision. Again, it's God's vision. Okay, can I get off my soapbox for a second? Doink, doink. Okay, good. Now I want to let you know about some business for our church. Uh, God has given us an incredible vision for this next chapter of our church's life. And if you were here at our ninth anniversary, you heard Jean and I talk about it. God's leading us to start not one, but two churches. And that is incredibly exciting. And as God is clarifying the vision, he's also expanding it. And he's given us some stuff to Jeannie and I and our elders and our team that was not talked about at the anniversary because we did not know it. God has expanded and clarified this vision, and we want to share it with you, the next chapter for our church. We're going to do that on February 12th. We are actually having a vision night here at the church. This is one of those, you know, don't miss events. We're not going to live stream it for you. We're not going to record it for the podcast. You got to be here. You got to be in the room. And if you have been around this church for a while, you've seen what God has done, and you don't want to miss this because where he's leading us is so exciting. And if you're new around here, what a great way for you to get to hear the heart of this church. February 12th, it's going to be worship and teaching and prayer and vision for where God's leading us. Okay, so everyone's already written that in your mental calendars, February 12th. You're going to hear us talk about it a few more times, but I just want to let you know about it now in advance. And lastly, I want to say to you, 
Thank you for all of the love and support you've given me and this book. I am incredibly grateful for it. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. It has been so meaningful to me to have our church really get behind the message of this book because it came out of our church. It's our story. It's our message. And so thank you for those of you who have been encouraging to me. And I don't even know if you've read it or even if you liked it, but you said nice things to me. And so I want to take those. And receive them. You've commented about it online and left reviews like that. You have no idea what that means to me. And the whole heart and hope of this whole thing, this book and the teaching series we've been in this month, is to just help people connect to God. That's all we're trying to do, is just help people connect to, to uncomplicate prayer. And so what I want to do today is just talk for a few moments about something that no one ever talked about when I grew up in church. What we're going to look at for the next couple moments no one talked about this, and so I am so excited for us to get into it today. But to get there, what I want to do is, is have you think about something. Have you ever been on the phone with someone, and, and you're talking to them, and you're talking to them, and like you notice 20 seconds goes by, 30 seconds goes by, a minute goes by, and you don't hear anything on the other end? And then you pull your phone away and look and see that you've been disconnected for maybe a couple minutes now from the call, and for whatever reason, they haven't called you back? right? You know that feeling like, well, first of all, oh, and then second of all, oh, right? You ever had that where you're talking, 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 but there's no one on the other end? You ever had that before? I have. So now let's take it a little step further as we're talking about God, we're talking about prayer. Anyone ever felt that way in prayer before? God, I'm talking, talking, talking. Okay, uh, let me ask that again. Anyone ever felt that way in prayer before? Yeah, I thought so. Where God, I'm talking, 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 but are you there? Are you listening, God? Are you hearing me? Are you even here with me in this moment, God. See, I think this is one of the things that is so powerful about prayer. I think what it is so faith-forming and frustrating at the same time is that prayer depends on the dynamic of dialogue. The whole idea is I'm talking, you're listening. You're talking, I'm listening. That's, it's like a team effort between you and God, right? That's how we understand prayer to work. And so what I want to ask you to consider this weekend is what do you do when God's not speaking to you? What do you do when God's not speaking to you? Uh, maybe there have been moments in your life, I know there have in mine, where I felt clearly, man, that was from God. God just spoke to me, or I heard God speak through someone into my life. Those are amazing moments. What I want to talk about is the rest of the time. What do you do when it doesn't seem like God is actually speaking to you? I think few things can be as defeating or as deafening as the this, this, this seeming silence of God in our lives. We just don't know what to do with the silence of God. And a lot of this has to do with the fact that we don't know what to do with silence in general. We are so scared of silence. And so we're constantly filling our lives with noise and noise and noise and distractions and demands in our life. And on top of that, we live in a world of instant connection where you can be connected to people around the world that you've never even met before through FaceTime and Facebook and Facebook Live and Skype and all this kind of stuff, you're connected. And so the thought that God wouldn't actually be here right now with you or that God wouldn't give you what you want when you want it, that thought is unthinkable. It doesn't seem fair that I wouldn't hear from God. What do you do with the silence of God? Now, I want to get into it and unpack it for a moment, but I want us to just be honest about it, right? Because you already came all this way. You, you battled the cold and you're here. Can we just be honest about our silence with God though for a second? See, I think we get, I get, oh, I get, I get all worked up when God is silent with me, but I tend to neglect or forget the fact that I am often silent with God, right? Maybe for you, you prayed as a kid and you, that was a part of your life, but it's been years now. There've been years of silence between you and God. 
or maybe there's areas of your life that you talk to God about, but then there's other areas of your life that you don't bring up, hoping that maybe he won't notice (laughs) or he won't ask, right? You're silent in those areas of your life. I think we just need to be honest for a moment as we're going to unpack this idea of the silence of God. We just need to be honest that we tend to have no problem with silence on our end. But when God is silent on his end, we don't know what to do. And for some, it can be the breaking point of your faith. God, I asked. God, I prayed. God, I showed up and I didn't hear you. I didn't see you. I didn't feel you. And so I'm out. I tried. It can be the breaking point of your faith. So what I want to offer us this weekend is maybe a different take on the idea of God's silence, of what to do when God is silent with you. And the thought is just this. You might want to jot it down for some time when you actually really need to remember this. The thought is just this. It's just because God is silent doesn't mean God is absent. Okay? Just because God is silent in this moment or maybe even in this season, just because God is silent with you doesn't mean God is absent from you. In other words, silence and absence are not synonymous. They're not the same thing when it comes to God. So how many of you all know that just because you're not hearing from God, just because God isn't speaking, doesn't mean God's not working in your life, yeah. right? And you can look back as we just sang on God's faithfulness and go, man, I don't even know if I heard from you, but God, I can't deny that you've been working in my life. Right. Just because God is silent with you doesn't mean that God is absent from you. And what I want to do is, is give a, a picture of what can happen, what God can grow in the soil of silence that may not be able to actually grow any other way in your life. And it's found through the story of an incredible woman of faith in the Old Testament. So grab a Bible, and I want you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 1. If you have a Bible with you, awesome. Got it on your phone. Great. 1 Samuel 1. If not, there should be a Bible right under your seats. You see it there? See people leaning forward? They're grabbing that or grab it off your armchair there. Uh, grab that and turn to page 213, 213. And I, we say this often, but not enough. If you're grabbing a Bible right now and you don't own a Bible, do you know what we want you to do with the Bible you're now holding? Steal it. We want you to literally steal this Bible from church. It's a powerful thing to say you stole a Bible from church, right? It's an awesome way to start this decade. I stole stuff from church. Here's the only thing we would ask. Just stick to the Bible. If you're going to steal things, just steal Bibles, Okay. All right, so we want you to have this because this story is so incredible. I want to give you context in 1 Samuel about this woman, Hannah, and what God grew in her in the face of his silence with her. Now, some backstory, and it is incredibly complicated context, okay? Hannah is married to a guy named Elkanah. Elkanah also has another wife named Penina. Things were, how shall we say, different back then. And what we're going to see here is that this story starts with tension and drama between Elkanah and his two wives. All right, verse 2 says this, Elkanah had, here we go, two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Penina. Now pay attention to this, Penina had children, but Hannah had none. Do you feel the drama already in the story? He had two wives, one of them had kids, one of them actually didn't. And isn't this so often how it is in our lives? I mean, aside from the two wives part. Isn't this so, (laughs) skip that part, but isn't that so often how it is in our lives that whenever it's hard to find God, it's easy to find people who have what you want. Whenever you're struggling to hear from God, all you got to do is open Instagram and be like, oh, there's God's favorite. It's clearly them (laughs) in their life. 
they literally have it all, or at least they have what I want. You may not be hearing from God, but you keep hearing about people who are hearing from God or receiving from God. And this is what Penina represents to Hannah. There's always going to be a Penina in your story. But it gets worse because she doesn't just have what Hannah wants. She rubs it in her face. And I'm not kidding. This is in the Bible. Verse 6, it says this, Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, for whatever reason, she could not conceive a child in that season. Because of that, her, what's the word? How does it describe Penina? Her rival. I mean, boom, that's just how it's, I mean, come on. Elkanah, my guy, you got to get things straight in your house. Uh, Her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on for a couple of weeks. Is that what it says? This went on a couple of months, right? Until they got it all sorted out. What does it say? This went on year after year, child after child. This just kept going on. She kept rubbing it in her face. Look what she does. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, when she came to church, like y'all did today, when she showed up for church, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Man, did you get that? Penina, who had children, was harassing Hannah, who did not. As if the suffering through of this childlessness wasn't enough Penina was there to just rub it in her face. Come on, how many of y'all know that you got a Penina in your story right now? You got someone in your life or people in your life that, that are always there for whatever reason. I think it's lots of times it's not conscious, it's unconscious, but they're there to remind you that God's silence is really about your suffering. The reason God's being silent with you right now is actually for your suffering, It's often, again, indirect. It's often actually not something that they're trying to do, but there's something about their having that reminds you of your not having. There's something about their joy that reminds you of your pain. And maybe for you, again, it's like Hannah's story. Maybe for you, you've been trying to have a child for a while. You have been trying and trying to start a family, and it's not happening. And you begged God. You poured your heart out to God. And then it's like every time you see a friend say, oh my gosh, we're expecting, you know, and you're happy for them. That should be their joy. But doesn't it stir up a little bit of pain in you, right? Or you got like that married couple friends of yours, all they have to do is look at each other and they're pregnant, right? And you're like, how does that work? Because it's not working over here. Somehow there's always that. Or, Or for those of you maybe who are single and you long to be married, that's a good and right desire. You long to be married to a good person who loves God. You grow and spend your life together. And then, again, it's not intentional. I don't believe it's conscious. But every time a friend of yours gets married, it's just a little reminder of that. Or they ask you to be in the wedding with them. You're like, another bridesmaid's dress. (laughs) Great. I'm so there for you. It just reminds you. Their joy somehow reminds you of your pain. And that's what the Peninas in our life actually do. And it's easy to assume that because they have what you want, you must be doing something wrong. Or it's easy to assume that God is mad at you for some reason. And you're trying to figure out why. Or even worse, God just doesn't care about you. He just doesn't care about you. And it's so easy to believe, it's so easy to assume that God's silence is all about you having to suffer through something. But I just want to be really clear. God's silence is not for the sake of your suffering. 
It is not for the sake of your suffering. You know how I know this? Because that is not in the nature of God. His silent, for whatever reason why he's being silent with you or you're not hearing from him, it's not to punish you. It's not because he wants you to have to suffer through that. It's just not in the nature of God. It's not how things actually work with God. And much like your story, Hannah's story isn't over. It actually kind of evolves even more. Let's look at verse 8. As we keep going, we see Hannah's husband attempting to comfort her. And he is a piece of work. So we've already discussed his life choices here, but let's keep going. Her husband, Elkanah, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? And again, pause. My guy, it is because of your other wife. Why do you think she's weeping? He says, why don't you eat? Why are you so downhearted? Now look what he says. Oh man, Elkanah. Look what he says. Don't I mean more to you than 10 sons? Yo, you don't have to be married to get what a dumb move that is right there. You don't have to be a husband to get that's a bad husband move there. And I, I, I want to believe that Elkanah was being sweet and well-intended, and he sees the depths of Hannah's anguish, and he sees her pain, and he knows about Penina, you know, his other wife, actually harassing her, and he tries to do something about it. But like what most husbands often do, what does he try and do? He tries to fix it. Oh, no, 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 let's be more specific. He tries to fix her. He tries to fix her. Come on, Hannah, it's not so bad. You got me. (laughs) Isn't that enough? You got me. And it doesn't go over so well with her. Because what he's asking her to do, if we were to be really honest, and anytime we're trying to fix someone else like this and that's in suffering through and longing to hear from God, what he's asking her to do is to downgrade her desire. Come on, just tone it down. Tamp it down a little bit. Why why are you expecting so much of God? He suggests that she settle for something, anything less than God's best for her life. Rather than holding out with God for that thing that you desire, why don't you just settle in and settle down with what you already have? And look, just like there's always a Penina in your life, there's always an Elkanah in your life as well. Someone who loves you, who knows your pain, knows your longing, knows the desires that you have, knows that you are sitting in the silence of God, and rather than sitting in that silence with you, they try and get you to settle for something less than God's best. Rather than just being with you in it, they go, well, maybe you're just, maybe you're asking too much of God. Maybe you're expecting too much of your life. I mean, listen, I know you really want to get married. I know that's a strong desire of your heart. I get it, but you're not getting any younger. They're asking you to settle. Look, I know that you're wanting to trust God with your resources, but you have a lot of debt to pay off, and I don't know if you should possibly trust God by giving to God while you got all this debt. You should, I mean, yeah, that can wait till later. Just settle in for a vision maybe that God has given for your life. Settle into anything to help you drown out the seeming silence of God. But listen, just like God's silence is not for the sake of your suffering, God's silence is not for the sake of your settling. God is not being quiet with you to get you to downgrade your dreams or your desires. Again, that's just not how it works with him. Whether it's people you're dating or what you want to do with your money or having a difficult but needed conversation, the truth about me is I'm always going to look for the easier way out. But that's not the point of God's silence is to get you to settle. That's not at all what's actually happening here. 
Instead, what the invitation is and what we see from Hannah through this gut-wrenchingly honest prayer that she's about to have is to actually step into the silence. Because you know what settling is, right? Do you know what settling, like whatever it is that you find yourself maybe settling for in life, do you know what settling is? All that settling is, is your soul's attempt at self-defense. That's all it is. It's your soul's attempt at self-defense. We're not going to get hurt like that again. We're not going to be out on the edge like that again. We're not going to get rejected like that again. We're not going to dream like that again. That's all your soul is trying to do is self-defense. God says, no, 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 I have actually so much more for you than that. And Hannah models it for us through this awesome prayer in verse 16. It's just so raw and so real. And I wish we all prayed a little bit like Hannah, just this honest and raw with God. Look what she says. God, I'm here. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. I am here. I'm praying through my sadness, my anguish, my grief over having this dream for my life. And for some reason, for whatever reason, I don't see it. I don't hear it from you. But God, pay attention to this. I've been here. I'm not going anywhere. Rather than walking away, she steps in with God. Rather than just packing up her bag, she pours out her heart even more to God. God, I'm not going anywhere. I am staying here with you. And I wonder if there's anyone here this weekend or anyone watching online that just needs to be encouraged to just go one more round with God. Don't throw in the towel. And I know you have a prayer for your life or you have a vision for your life and you've asked God and you're not hearing from God and you're at the point where you're going, you know what, man, I've tried, God. You haven't moved like I wanted you to. You haven't broken through this situation, this relationship, this circumstance, and so I'm out. I just wonder if maybe the whole reason you're here is to be encouraged. Would you just go one more round with God rather than packing up your bags? Would you just pour your heart out one more time to just stay with him rather than running from the silence of God? Would you step into it with him and see maybe that he actually might have something more for you in that? Because look what happens by Hannah staying Look what happens by her settling into the silence of God and not going anywhere with him. Wouldn't you know it? Verse 20. Jump down to verse 20. Verse 20. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son, and she named him Samuel, meaning, this is what the name Samuel means, because I asked the Lord for him. Because I kept asking the Lord for him. And I have a whole other message that I want to give that I don't have time to give to you about the significance of Samuel. This woman, Hannah, who year after year poured her heart out to God, gave birth to this boy named Samuel. Samuel, as a young man, actually would hear directly from the voice of God calling his name and inviting him into a calling for ministry. Samuel would become a major leader of the people of God where God would speak to him and he would speak on God's behalf to the people. But he wouldn't have even been born. He wouldn't have even had this name had Hannah not sat through the silence with God and been able to say, I kept asking God, I kept asking, and by your faithfulness, you moved in me. Listen to me. Listen to me. God's silence is not for the sake of your suffering. It's not for the sake of your settling. I believe what we see in the life of Hannah is it's about your strengthening. And I don't understand why. I don't have a quick, easy answer for why God is maybe being silent with you, but I've just come to find in my own life that God's silence is for the sake of my strengthening. It's for growing up my faith, right? Rather than just getting what I want, when I want from God. If that's how it works with God, that's not a relationship. That's a genie in the bottle scenario. 
And what God grows in the soil of silence is something much deeper. What Hannah couldn't see at the time is all those years after years, all those tears after tears were washing away any form of superficial faith. I'm not going anywhere, God. In my great anguish, in my sadness, in my disappointment, in my longing, in my desires, I'm staying here with you. Until, God, I hear from you. Until, God, I actually see you move. This is where I think real faith is forged. It's when we're willing to actually step into the silence with God. And I remember years ago, uh, and I've told the story before, so I don't need to go into a ton of details, but years ago, after we got this church up off the ground, I was having a really, really, really hard time hearing from God. And I didn't know what it was. I don't know if he wasn't speaking or I wasn't listening, but Gene and I had spent the first couple of years of this church just kind of laying it all on the line. We just gave of ourselves physically and spiritually and emotionally and financially to this church, and we'd seen God do miracles, and we'd seen this church grow. And what we began to see is that other people were growing because of this church, but I was dying because of it, because of the way that I was living my life with God and trying to just hustle, 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 go hard, 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 hard. And I'd put all my faith in my efforts rather than resting in the power and presence of God. And I remember, in fact, I was at a point where I was trying to write a sermon for that weekend, whatever weekend it was, it was a couple years ago. And I sat at my computer screen, I didn't realize this afterwards, for over an hour just staring at a blank screen. Nothing. And I even tried in that time to go back to all my old tricks with God. You know how you do that sometimes when you don't hear from God? You're like, what's worked before? Where's that Jesus calling book? Let's open up to today's day and see what it has to say. And let me just kind of get out the journals again and dust them off and see if that, you know, I was trying to do all my old tricks with God. I wasn't hearing anything. And I was exhausted and I was defeated and depleted. And I didn't know if I was ever going to hear from God again. And thankfully at that time, God was working, even though I couldn't hear him speaking. And he brought a couple people in my life, spiritual mentors, directors, Ruth and Jim, who introduced me to a practice that has shaped and changed my life. And what I found by walking through, by staying with God in that silence and not throwing in the towel of this church, not throwing in the towel of my life with God, what I found is this, is just because God is quiet with you, it doesn't mean that he's quit on you. Listen to me, some of y'all need to hear that today. Because you're wondering where God's at. God, are you here? Do you hear? Just because he may be quiet with you does not mean that he's quit on you. He's not done with you yet. He wasn't done with Hannah, was he? He had such a bigger story that he was writing. Just because he's quiet with you doesn't mean that he's quit on you. And what I found by just staying with God and rather than fighting God's silence, you know what these folks helped me learn to do? Find God in the silence. To just begin to find God in the silence and, and to begin to practice what I would say is an imperfect practice in my life. I'll be the first one to admit that. But to choose to join God in his silence, to choose to enter in. And they gave me what has become, hands down, one of the most transforming and one of the most challenging prayer practices of my life. And it is simply to sit in silence with God. Now, y'all know, it, like, my job is to talk. I mean, look what I've been doing the last couple minutes. I talk with y'all on the weekends. I talk with y'all throughout the week. I talk with God, you know, for my life, for our family, for this church. I talk. I'm pretty good at it. I talk. And so to not talk and to just be still and sit in God's silence, it felt so counterintuitive to me. It felt like this is, this is not right. And not only do I talk a lot, I have a lot of people talking at me. 
Like, not only do I have that going on, like, in my life, but I always have something in my ear. I'm always listening to a podcast or Bible app. I got something going on because, you know, I tell myself, I want to grow. Input's one of my strength finders. I want to, you know, learn and get it. And what I'm just doing is I'm just distracting myself. No wonder it's hard for me to hear from God sometimes. And so what they introduced me to was a simple practice that I want to encourage us to do as a church this week. And I want to get incredibly spiritually practical with it. And I wonder if anyone would be willing to take a little challenge with the homework this week. This is it. This is all I want us to do. This is what I try as best I can to do. It's to practice five minutes of silence with God three times this week. That's it. Five minutes of silence, and I'll unpack that in a second, with God three times this week. Some of y'all are overachievers. You're like, I'm going to do it five times. Awesome. Great. I'm going to do it for 10 minutes. Great. The rest of us will be doing five minutes of silence three times a week this week. When should you do it? My practice is best when I do it in the morning. And I actually did it this morning. I knew that was going to be talking about this. I'm like, okay, I should probably actually do that this morning. 5.45 a.m., right? Before anyone else was up. Uh, that's a uh, small flex. 5.45 a.m. <laughs> I'm sitting, and I have a thousand. I need to send the team my notes, and I need to, you know, make sure I get everything packed up. And no, 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 no. I wanted so badly to open my phone and just check, you know, if some emergency email that would change my life came over the last seven hours while I was asleep. Nope. Put it down, sat down, silence. So maybe the morning's the best time for you. Or maybe the end of the day is the best time for you, right? When everything's kind of settled down and you've gotten all the dishes at least to the sink, whether they're clean or not, but you've kind of gotten them there and everything's kind of quiet in the house and you can take five minutes. Could you do five minutes? Or maybe for you, like that just doesn't work because of the stage of life or where you're at. So maybe work, you can do it the first five minutes you get to work, right? You can show up at work and no one has to know what you're doing. You can just sit there pretending like you're working. You're good at that, right? And so you, no, I'm like, you already know how to do that part. So you just sit quietly for five minutes or find maybe a space at work where you can just, before you get to all the demands and distractions of the day, I'm just going to be still right here with God. And rather than fight the silence, I'm actually going to find God in the midst of this silence, to just be still for five minutes. Listen, this is really important. No music. I know I got the keys going on behind me. No music, no podcasts, no Bible, no journal, no words, just silence. And so this is how it works for me. We have a chair in our house. I sit in the chair. I set a little timer on my phone, five minutes or 10 minutes. I put my phone as far away from me as humanly possible because there's a magnetic draw to that thing in my life. I hold my palms open like this. This is just how I do it. You do whatever. This is how I do it. I put my hands open. I put my feet flat on the floor. I close my eyes. And I slow my breathing down. And I just choose to be still. And do you know what happens? Usually within the first 60 seconds, God tells me exactly what I need to do that day and gives me exactly what I need. No, I'm just, that never happens. That literally never happens. That would be so great if that's how it worked. That is not how it works. God, I'd be like, well, and I'm done. No, that's not, it's just not. Do you know what happens for the first couple minutes for me? Every imaginable distraction comes to my mind. Everything. Oh, did I send that email? Did I send that email? Was I too angry in that email? Did I sound harsh? Well, I don't know. Maybe I should think, maybe I should send him another email. Oh, should I? Should I make coffee now or should you do it afterwards? It'd be nice to have it right now. Like if I could just smell it. Okay, I'll wait till afterwards. I wonder if I should let the dogs out. The dogs, they should probably be let out. They probably have to go potty. I should probably let the dogs out. 
that's like a couple minutes for me. That's my mind, okay? And what I do is I just, rather than judging those thoughts or, oh, I suck at this, you know, <laughs> what I do is I just kind of try as best I can with my eyes closed, I take those thoughts and just kind of put them on the horizon of my mind. Okay, because you know what? They'll be there afterwards. <laughs> They'll be just fine for five minutes. And I just sit. And it's really important. I don't say anything. Right? I don't chant anything. Right? I just sit in silence. Some people are like, oh my gosh, I don't know. I guess I've heard some people say, oh, this feels like you're opening the door up for the devil in silence. <laughs> really? I'm trying to open my life up to God in this moment. So I'm not worried about some foreign influence in my life. I just want to hear from God, and if I don't hear from him, I just want to be with him. I'm just going to be with you, God, for five undistracted minutes. Do you know what I do when I do? You know all you're doing. If you would do this this week, do you know all that you're doing? It's so simple. You're practicing Psalm 4610. Be still. And know, you can know that I am God. You are not. The universe is doing just fine without you for these five minutes. All the demands, all the distractions, all the noise. They'll be there when you're done. But for five minutes, would you just be still and be here and know that I am God, I am good. And even if you don't hear from me, I'm here with you. I'm here with you. I'm just being still and knowing that God is in control. Do you know the Bible tells us multiple times in the gospel accounts that Jesus would pull away to quiet places to be still, to pray. This isn't anything new. This is rooted in what it means to be in a relationship with God. God, if you're going to be silent with me, I'm going to find you in that silence. And even if I don't hear from you, I trust that you're here with me. That's all that it is. So would you be willing this week, three times, for five minutes to just be quiet, to just be still. Don't worry about having to say the right thing. You know what's so great about this prayer practice? For those of you who may be new to prayer or worried like you don't know how to pray, you, you, like, you can't really mess it up. There's nothing you have to say. There's nothing you have to do other than get rid of distractions, be quiet, be still, and just be aware that God is good and he is with you and he's for you. And receive maybe a peace that wouldn't come from checking your inbox. A peace that's not going to come from Instagram or Facebook. A peace that's not going to come from racing off or rushing off to whatever the demands of the day are. I'm just going to choose to be here with you, God. And maybe, just maybe, my hope and my prayer for you is that you would find your faith being strengthened like Hannah's. There'll be time to ask God. There'll be time to say, God, I want to tell this about who you are. There'll be time in a little bit. We're going to sing to God. There'll be time for that. But this is a time where I'm just going to be still and know and have you strengthen my faith to trust you, God, even when I don't hear you, even when I don't see you. And so I want to pray for you towards that end. In a little bit, we're going to do a little practice that we do regularly at Soul City Church. But I just kind of just pray for you right now. And would you be willing to even like to get a head start and take that little posture, maybe your feet firmly on the ground, sit up straight, palms open in your lap. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to worry about anything. I just want to pray for you. Eyes closed, maybe just slow down. And, and even just notice, even like the next couple seconds, how many thoughts are racing through your brain. That's okay. God knows every single one of them, and he knows every desire of your heart. The Bible tells us the Holy Spirit intercedes on your behalf beyond words. You don't need him right now. 
Jesus, we thank you that this was your example, that you knew to pull away, to be quiet, to be still, to practice the wisdom of Psalm 4610, to just be still and know that there is a God and he is good and he's in control. And so, God, I pray for our church. I pray for me personally, God, as I wrestle with and struggle with this practice of just being quiet and being still. God, would you grow something in us as we do? Help us to trust that whether we hear from you or not, you're still here with us, God. Help us not to jump to conclusions that, God, your silence is about our suffering or that you just want us to settle, but, God, you want to strengthen something in us that might not grow otherwise outside of the soil of silence. God, thank you for Hannah. Thank you for her son Samuel. Thank you, God, for all that came from her commitment to be with you even in the silence. God, would you help us do the same, we pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, what we're going to do right now is something we do every month. We're going to take a moment to reflect on the reality of the, the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, how he made relationship with God possible through a cross and an empty tomb. And so I'm going to ask our amazing host team to come forward right now. They're going to pass out two little elements, right? Just a little cup and a little bread. And I'm just going to ask you to honor the silence, to be quiet, to be still. Take the bread, take the cup, just hold on to it. You don't have to do anything with it. And then in as few words as possible, I'm going to lead us through receiving those elements together, okay? So take the bread, take the cup, just hang tight, and then we'll lead through it together. Use this gift of silent reflection right now.